You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. I've grown up, but have I really grown up, right? So uh, I I still like superheroes. I still like, you know, I grew up as a DC kid. That means I'm like, rather than Marvel, I wanted to be Superman, right? And, or the Flash, because I thought as soon as I got my tennis shoes on, I was as fast as the Flash. And, uh, and, and I wanted to be, a, I wanted to be Superman. Man, the dude had all the powers, man. He could fly. He could, he, he could freeze things with his breath. He could laser beam eyes, steal, you know, nothing could stop him. You know, he could go out into the universe and man, he was amazed. I wanted to be Superman. So I loved beach towels. And the reason I love beach towels is because as a kid, it was an instant cape. You know what I'm saying? Anybody here ever put a cape on with a towel or put a towel on and all of a sudden you're, anybody here, raise your hand if you like you've ever, guys or girls, ever become a superhero by, I'm apparently crab man, by the way. <laughs> that when you put on this cape, somehow you were transformed and you could jump out of trees, right? And, and get a little farther. You jumping off the backs of furniture, climbing stuff. The, and the, we didn't tie it. We had to safety pin it because it was too much action, you know, with a, you just safety pin it right here. And you're like, man, you are a superhero. Let me see your hands again. If you've ever put on the cape, the superhero cape, all right? And, and then, you know, it's Six Flags that have, like, if they guess your weight right or that they have the, the thing, you could take home one of those capes. Those were like, yeah, they weren't as good as the, as the towels. The towels were bigger. And I, I always wanted to be a superhero. I wanted to grow up and, and have superpowers. Well, today, we're going to talk about superpowers, these gifted abilities that we all have. Every one of us has superpowers. And the Apostle Paul has been talking to a church that's been kind of weirding out on their superpowers, actually. You know, I, I want to start off by saying I love the diversity of our church. I love that in our church, we have people from different backgrounds, different uh, church influences. We have people here that maybe were, uh, grew up Baptist, and we have people here that maybe Pentecostal, Charismatic, Assembly of God. We have Presbyterians here. We have Church of Christ. We have people that were raised in the Catholic Church. We, we have all this diversity, and I love that, uh, that, that we all come together. I think that's healthy, that we come to the table with those differences, and, and we can discuss those things. And we have different perspectives on certain passages of the Bible based upon how we grew up. And today is probably uh, some of the more controversial, the beginning of some of the more controversial chapters in Corinthians. We're going to start a section today uh, called Gifted. So for the next few weeks, we're going to focus on 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Uh, These three chapters have actually split churches. A lot of the reason why we have a lot of denominations in the world is because of the views of these three chapters, 12, 13, 14. And it focuses on gifts, superpower abilities, all right? And now, the Apostle Paul, I want to remind you that he's writing to a church that he planted. It had been five years now since he planted this church, and they were starting to drift away into just strange, uh, strange, weird stuff. And he was writing to them because this is a corrective letter. 
And Paul is writing to the Corinthians in Corinth to correct their craziness. He's in Athens, there in Corinth, and information was getting to him about how weird things were getting with them. And he's challenging them to grow up in the things of the Lord. It's all corrective. There's very little positive in this letter. And these next three chapters, he really unleashes a lot of fatherhood correction. Now, I also want to say this, that as a follower of Jesus Christ, we like to say that when you are born again, the Holy Spirit moves in. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, you are born again. When you bow the knee to Christ, you are transformed and the Holy Spirit moves in. And the Holy Spirit moves into your life at the moment that you are born again and he infuses you with the power of God to teach you, to remind you, to enlighten you, to mature you, and to help you live out the purpose of God for your life and to be his hands and feet. But Corinth was neither mature, nor were they growing up. So let's jump right in. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here we go. He says this, now about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, first of all, I want you to know the word gifts is not in the original language here. It's not in the original Greek. It's not in any of the ancient manuscripts. The word gifts is not there. So what he says, right off, he says, now about spiritual Things about the supernatural, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant, which means uninformed, means you just don't know. He says, when it comes to spiritual, supernatural stuff, don't be stupid, don't be ignorant, don't be uninformed. Now, because he's about to talk about spiritual gifts, the translators put the word gift in this verse, even though it's not there in the original. But the bigger picture, I think, is more powerful than focusing in on the gifts. He's saying, in general, when it comes to the supernatural, don't be ignorant. When it comes to the supernatural gifts and the moving of God in our lives, don't be uninformed. In reality, I think most Christians are ignorant of spiritual gifts. I think a lot of you are probably ignorant of spiritual gifts, uninformed about the spiritual things and how they operate today. And there are two dangers in regards to spiritual gifts. There's the misuse and the non-use. And so what the, the Apostle Paul, what he's trying to do is what you are doing in Corinth, he says, is just craziness. It's, it's misuse. It's unhealthy. He goes, but I'm not saying don't display the gifts of the Spirit, but we need to learn how to display them in concordance with God's will. So I want you to write this down. Simply, this is my definition of a spiritual gift. Spiritual gift is this, God fulfilling his mission through his disciples. That is what a spiritual gift is. It is, it is God fulfilling his mission through his disciples. From beginning to end, spiritual gifts are about God. They are one God using different gifts and different people to fulfill his purposes, his mission, his design. The mission for followers is to take the message of the hope of Jesus to the world through spiritual gifts. Now, this is important because what we're going to do now is we're going to cover the basics of spiritual 
gifts, basic training when it comes to spiritual gifts. And some of you guys, like I said, maybe are not as informed, maybe you're a little ignorant on the spiritual gifts. This is the basics, and then we're going to jump into some of the more supernatural aspects that he talks about in 12, 13, and 14. So this is what he says. Verse 1, now about the gifts or about spiritual things of the Spirit, I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute or dead idols. Basically saying you were led astray, you were influenced by false theology. Now, in the middle of him starting to talk, or at the beginning of him starting to talk about spiritual things, he says straight up, right at the top, he says, you are easily influenced by false theology. He says, before you were Christians, you were influenced by things in some way or another through this false teaching that was to dead idols. They didn't even live. They didn't speak. They weren't alive. And he says, you're bringing what we're finding out. He says, you're bringing these influences and these experiences into the church. And so he's starting to address something very important right up front. I want you to write this down. It's this, emotions and feelings can counterfeit true spirituality. In their services, they were beginning to have the same experience, exciting experiences that they were having before they were born again. Now, this is vital, and I want to sit on this for just a second before we move forward, because this is the very reason why someone maybe has backslidden away from Jesus. You're like, well, I know someone who used to love Jesus, and man, they don't seem to be serving Jesus anymore. Well, perhaps it's because emotions and feelings are great counterfeits for true spirituality. Perhaps what they had was merely emotion. Perhaps it was just feelings, and when the feelings faded, so did they. Listen, not every spiritual experience is the work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it is the flesh. Sometimes it is emotions. Sometimes it can even be demonic in nature, as he says in that second verse. Every time you get goosebumps, the Spirit's here. It's not the Spirit. Every time, you know, if you've ever listened to a song that just, oh man, got your tear ducts, you know, flowing and you got your heart moving and, you know, or a movie or even a commercial and you're like, oh, just because you have emotions and feelings doesn't mean that that is a spiritual event by the Holy Spirit. God uses and works in our emotions and feelings, but they're also a great counterfeit for true spirituality. We cannot rely upon our feelings when it comes to judging spirituality and things of the spirit. And he says right at the top, he says, some of you remember when you were pagans? Man, you were influenced. Man, you had all kinds of experiences and wild environments, and you were led astray into false teaching to follow dead idols. See, a lot of times we think, man, I go to this church, I got the goosebumps, I got the feelings, man, when, this, when that certain chord is played, when that certain song hits that bridge, or when that person comes down to the front, when that speaker is talking, cults, false faiths, religions, demons, manipulation, imagination, emotions, feelings, all offer experiences, but they are counterfeit for the real thing. An experience does not equal an authentic spiritual Holy Spirit experience. There are many spiritual experiences outside of Christianity. Emotions and feelings are great counterfeits. 
However, God does work through our emotions and feelings. So how do we know what's of God and what's not? Well, how do you know it's legit? Well, there's three things. But I want to preface by saying one of them is not character. Now, it's important to say this because though character is an important part of someone who's a true follower of Christ, if someone ever gets up front and says that they are a follower of Jesus Christ, but their character is lacking or they're living in sin, that person should not be followed, listened to, or given credence. However, there are people who have great character who are also leading people astray. The Bible says that even the enemy comes as an angel of light. So you can have good people of good character leading people astray spiritually. So of these three things that make it legit, though character is important, it's not an identifier of true spirituality, all right? Though it is an important byproduct of it. What are the three things that the Bible says that you can test whether somebody's legitimately spiritually motivated? Like if you're getting feelings, how do you know if it's the feelings of the Holy Spirit? Three ways. Number one is teaching. Is it proper theology? Does it tell you properly about who Jesus is. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is the only way. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John says many times, test the spirits to see if they are of the Lord. Test to see what they say about Jesus. Test to see if they follow in the teachings of the apostles that were passed down to them by Jesus. Test the spirits. Know and listen to what they are saying about who Jesus is. The second identifiable mark is, is if someone is really moving and you got these feelings, if it's legit, is trials. Their message or their teaching on trials. For example, if a preacher gets up front and he's having a cheerleading competition and motivating you to believe that you can do anything, you can be anything, and your blessing is for today, right now, all you got to do is receive it, all you got to do is confess it. Listen, the Bible tells us that it is our trials that prove the genuineness of our faith. And Jesus even promised that we would all go through trials Trials are part of the journey to know and develop maturity in Christ. If someone ever preaches to you a message that says trials are for the weak and those without faith, that is not a legitimate spiritual environment. Even if you're getting the goosebumps, even if they're pounding the podium, even if they're getting excited, even if that book is so good, if their teaching on trials is off base, if all they're doing is saying that you can always be blessed, that you can always be healed, and that you will always have good feelings, and that you can have prosperity now and always. Listen, regardless of how it makes you feel emotionally, it's not, the, it's not legit. Here's the third one is just time. Sometimes time. You know, the Bible, Jesus gives a parable of the four soils, and he says there's four types of people when it comes to the Word of God. He says one of them is like a path that's this so hard from being walked on that the word of God never, never gets into the heart. It's just a hard heart and the enemy comes and steals away that seed. But then there's three other uh, soils and, and one of them is only good, but two of them grow. One of them says that the word of God grows 
but then it is choked by the cares and concerns of this world like thorns because they haven't pulled the thorns out of their life. And so they're choked by the cares and concerns of this world. And he says another one is one that's in rocky soil. That means it's shallow. That means it grows, but it's so shallow it never takes root. It never digs deep. But he says the fourth one is the one that is of good soil. And he says that one, listen to this. He says that one bears fruit in due season. That means it takes time. Because there are those that will say, yes, sign me up. I love Jesus, man. Walk the aisle, sign a card, say a prayer, take a dunk, you know, in the, in the baptism pool. I'm a Christian now. And, they, and it's all roses and care bears and rainbows and unicorns. And then all of a sudden the trials come and the feelings fade. And the cares and the concerns of this world begin to choke them. Or their faith is so shallow that though they seem to be growing quickly, there's no root. And so they die away. Jesus said, you want to know if it's legit? Sometimes you just have to wait it out and see if they're still around in a year or two years or three years. So don't let someone's emotional enthusiasm fool you into true spirituality. This is important because as we talk about these spiritual gifts, some of them are quite emotional in nature. But feelings and emotions can counterfeit spirituality. We can feel and sense God's power. God gives us emotions and feelings to connect with him and with each other. But they can also be a counterfeit. Verse 3, therefore, he says, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Again, he's talking about spiritual gifts here. And where does this passage fit in this? He says this, I want you to write this down, is that spiritual gifts are more about submission than exhibition. Our spiritual gifts that we're about to talk about and that we have are all for the purpose of displaying and pointing to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Spiritual gifts reveal the Lordship of Jesus Christ at all times. If a person desires ministry, but they do not affirm the lordship and submission of Jesus, then they do not have the Holy Spirit and they are not under God's authority. It doesn't matter how gifted a speaker, it doesn't matter how powerful the, the message, that phrase or that book, it doesn't matter how much it tugs at your heart and gets you feeling and if the tears are flowing, if it does not point to the lordship and submission of Jesus Christ, then they're not operating under God's authority. The mark of one who is truly operating in the Holy Spirit is one that focuses on submission of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is not a step to spiritual gifts. You know, when you give your life to Jesus, it's not like, thank you, Jesus, you're the step to the richer things of the Spirit. That is not spiritual gifts. It is actually the other way around, is if you are lost, the Holy Spirit, Spirit is the step to the greater things of Christ. And if the emphasis is put on the experience over the submission or lordship of Christ, they're not operating under the authority of God, but they're operating under emotions, feelings, and cultural differences. And we're going to talk about that next week. And this is important because all of the spiritual gifts should point to the lordship of Christ. That's why it says right up front, no one who's truly in the spirit, no one says, uh, says that, no one can say that Jesus is Lord unless they're influenced by the Holy Spirit. This is all pointing to the authority of Christ. Regardless of the gift, 
the evidence of the Holy Spirit is their love and submission to Jesus. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts of the same Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit who distributes them. And then there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. That's Jesus Christ. And there are different kinds of working. That's miraculous powers, but all of them and in everything in the same It is the same God or the Father at work. Notice all three persons of the Trinity are mentioned here. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father, all of them. Write this down. Spiritual gifts are given by God alone. The Godhead totally is involved in all of these spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts are not of human origin. They are of God's origin. It is a God uh, of almighty, the glory of God. It is, it is not just the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Godhead as a full, working through the Holy Spirit in our lives. They all work together. It's of God's origin. That means these spiritual gifts that we're going to talk about, you didn't make them up. You can't ask for them. You can't demand them. Uh, they are given because they're of God's origin. It's not something that is created by a church or a culture. By the, word, by the way, the word here says, The word spiritual gifts in verse 4 is the word charismata. That's where we get the word charismatic. Charismatic is a a group of of Christian believers that that emphasize or focus on the gifts that are mentioned in this chapter, chapter 12. We're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. Don't miss them. This is where that term charismatic comes from, charismata. By the way, have you ever heard someone that that person's got a charismatic personality? You know, man, that person's very charismatic. They're not talking about spiritual gifts in that sense. They're saying that person's very gifted, spiritually motivating people, gifted, influential. That's what that means. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, that's spiritual gifts, and there are different kinds of service, that's ministry gifts, and there are different kinds of workings, that's manifestational miraculous gifts. One giver, different gifts. There are four types of gifts given by God. He mentions three here. Let me tell you what those four are. Four gifts all by God. The first one is this, mastery gifts. What's a mastery gift? Well, a mastery gift is your skill. These are given when you are physically born. For an example, some of you can sing really well. Some of you cannot sing very well. And your neighbor can attest to that, right? The person next to you said, man, that person... Choose another ministry, right? And some of you, you're, you're great at cooking. And some of you, it's like you, you burn macaroni and cheese and somehow can mess up cereal. You don't understand cooking, right? And for some of you, technology is like easy for you to come by. Oh, yeah, you know, done. And the other person's like, what's the enter key? You know, just give me a dumb phone because these smartphones are way too much. You know, you have these different aptitudes. Some of you are more uh, inclined to learning and growing, and some of you more inclined to more free-flow creative experiences, right? And these are your skills, and these are your abilities. And oftentimes, your personalities are a byproduct of these. Actually, I should say the abilities are a byproduct of the personalities that God gives you when you are born. Some of you are born extroverts, and some of you are born introverts. Some of you are born loud, and some of you are born quiet. Some of you are out there, you know, tackling the world, climbing mountains, and others, you're, you're inclined to read a book and read an adventure. Some of you want to make a movie. Some of you want to watch a movie. These are 
personalities that God gives at birth that reflect in our gifts and abilities. And these are gifts to be mastered, gifts that we are to develop, gifts that we are to identify and to grow in. They, they are the driving um, uh, gifts in us and we are to develop and mature with them and they can change over time. For example, uh, if you are a great singer, as you get old, your voice isn't as good. If you're a great athlete, as you get older, your athletic ability diminishes. So these gifts and abilities will sometimes fluctuate and God works his purpose through these gifts. Now, sometimes because we're born with these gifts, we don't use them always for the glory of God. Just look at entertainment industry, look at culture. We have singers and musicians, actors, artists, people who are creative. That gift is from God. It doesn't matter what they're singing. That is a gift from God, but they're not using it for his glory. These are mastery gifts, what you're born with. And then there's motivational gifts, motivational gifts. These are given when you are spiritually born. These are gifts that are given to you when you are born again. Spiritual gifts at work in you that you are to identify, develop, and mature in. They are the driving motivations in us. And they are given and they're different and given to us as a whole for the purpose of the whole. Now, it's important to know that sometimes the motivational gifts work alongside our personalities and sometimes they're opposite of our personality. For example, you might have someone who's born as an introvert, but when they become born again, they have this desire to, to speak in front of people. That is not normal. That's supernatural. That's a God gift. That's a motivational gift, a spiritual gift that God gives. Sometimes our motivational gifts work in line with our natural bent and mastery gifts. And sometimes they're sometimes in opposite of our gifts to serve a greater purpose for God in those areas. Some of these gifts might be like serving and compassion, giving, encouragement. We're gonna talk about some of those next week. And then there's the third type of gifts and these are called ministry gifts. And these are gifts that are given at one's calling into leadership ministry. These are the spiritual gifts given to selected individuals to lead and to disciple the church. Examples of this would be pastor, a teacher, uh, a missionary, an evangelist. Um, the, these are overseers. The, these are the ministry leadership gifts that God gives to those that are called into ministry leadership. And these gifts are to be developed and matured in. And not everybody has these gifts. Everybody has a motivational gift. Everybody has some kind of master gift, but only those that are called with the purpose of leadership roles in the body are given ministry gifts. And then there's the fourth category, and that is the miraculous gifts or the manifestation gifts, the, the ones that are on display. While say a motivational gift might be an unseen gift, you know, it's not as demonstrative like an encourager or mercy or generosity. The manifestational gifts are outward gifts that are easily identifiable and they tend to be more supernatural in their uh, involvement. And these are given at different times to accomplish his purpose. We do not own them. We cannot keep them. They come and go as God determines. So we have these mastery gifts that are yours born with to develop. We have motivational gifts given when you are born again 
to develop, to discover and develop. And then there's ministry gifts given to those who are in leadership for the purpose of discipling the body. And then there's the manifestational gifts that are given periodically, not to be kept or held onto by anyone, not even believers. We're going to talk about this a little bit later. Some of those examples would be like healing, miracles, prophecy, tongues, the more bizarre things. We're going to talk about those next week. In fact, next week is, is possibly one of the most important uh, services that our church can be at because of our variety of backgrounds that our church comes from with, and I think that's beautiful. It's important that we all kind of have a balanced biblical view of these gifts. We're going to talk about that next week. Back to the basics. Verse 7 says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Write this down. Every Christian believer has at least one spiritual gift. Every one of you has a cape. Every one of you has a beach towel, right? And you, you have, if you are a Christian, you have been given a cape. God says, welcome to the family, Sam. Here's your cape. Here, here you go. Here's your cape. All right. Welcome to the family. Wear it. Develop it. You know, identify it. You ever, look around the room for a second. Look, look to the people around you. Look, at, look around you. Look next to you. Look to the people behind you. These are the gifted. These are the gifted. You may not feel gifted. If you're not born again, you have a gift that God wants you to develop. If you are born again, you have a spiritual gift that God is calling you to develop, both for his glory. The person next to you is gifted. Referring to our motivational gifts and abilities, God has called and given us these gifts. Oh, I love this. Not as a reward, but as a gift. So you don't have to beg and plead for spiritual gifts. You don't have to beg and plead for an ability or a skill God has already given it to you. And as a born-again Christian, he's already empowered you with a spiritual gift. It is your role in maturity to identify that and to develop that. It's yours. And you don't have to, God, it's not a gift for the spiritual. You know, I wish I was like Pastor Ted or like Sam or like our life team leaders or, or like one of our elders. I wish I was like, man, the band or something. I, God, when am I going to be spiritual enough? Listen, when you become born again, the Holy Spirit moves in and so does that gift. You get that gift when you're born again. It's yours. Every one of us, each of us has been given one. It is our role to identify it and to develop it. You have a cape. You have a supernatural power, and it's not given as a reward. It is a gift. That's why it's called a gift. This is not just for the super spiritual. This means that because you have a gift, you belong and you are needed in the body of Christ. Some of you are like, I don't feel like I'm important. I don't feel like I'm needed. I don't feel like I have a skill and ability, and I'm just, you know, I don't know what my purpose and my plan is here. Listen, you have a gift. Our role is to help you to discover, help you to develop, because you are an important part of every body that you're part of. Like if this is your church, you have a role to play in this church, and you are important. God loves to use the ordinary for his extraordinary. Christian, when you're born again, you have these spiritual gifts. Even those with similar spiritual gifts use them differently. You know, I might speak and some, uh, some other pastor might speak or some of you are speak. But as you know, when we get up, God uses that unique gift differently through each one of us. And we're not limited to these gifts either. Like just because I'm, quote unquote, the pastor, it doesn't mean that I'm not called to serve in every area that has need. 
If you'd have come up here in the last couple of days, Mike Walls, one of our elders, and I cut into this concrete. It was some of the hardest work I think I'd done. And I've done a lot of hard work. It was hard work. And an elder in the past right here, you know, busting our knuckles and, 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 and uh, just potentially killing ourselves <laughs> because there's a need and we serve. We don't let our, quote, spiritual gift limit our serving aptitude. David Butler, one of our other life team leaders, came up and helped clean up because this is what leaders do. We serve not just in our ability, but wherever there's a need. There's a variety of gifts given to every Christian. Every one of these gifts are given by God and they all matter. No matter who you are, you are vital. Look at this verse seven. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. That means Christians are given gifts for each other. Look to your neighbor again. That's who your gift's for. Look behind you. That's who your gift is for. That ability, that skill, that spiritual gift that you have, it's for the person next to you, that gift that has been given to you. It is for the people around you. This is what the Bible says. Whatever your gift, the purpose of the gift is to build up the entire church, the common good. God's giftings given to us are ultimately for his purpose, not our wealth and not our gain, but for the glory of God. Some people, they are given these gifts and they use them for selfish gain and they'll never know the full potential of their ability until they submit that gift to the Lord. I'm a true believer in if you are good at something that God has given you, if you will go full force in honoring him with that, he will give you an audience because he will trust that gift is as far as you will trust him. So instead of promoting yourself, promote the Lord and watch that gift flourish even more. It's a challenge. It's for the common good. God's giftings are given for others, not for us. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 26. It says all these, all these spiritual gifts must be done to build up the church. In Ephesians 4, 12, the apostle Paul talking about spiritual gifts says they are given to equip Christians for ministry and, and to build up the body. 1 Peter 4, let's all look at this together because this is a challenge to you. Every person in this room has a gift. Everyone. You might not feel like you have a gift. You might feel like you're older or too young to have a gift. You might feel like it's maybe immature. It may be all those things, but you still have a gift. And it has been given to you for the purpose of letting people know Jesus through that gift. And if you're doing anything else other than your gift, you'll never flourish in that gift from God. Look at 1 Peter 4. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Whatever it is. If you can sing, if you can cook, if you're good with computers, if you're great at sports, if you can lift 150 pounds, whatever. If, you're, if your skill is, is bench pressing, you know, well, you got to figure it out, man. How can you use this gift to serve others? If you're super organized, if you're uh, super creative, it is to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace. The word grace there is gifts, by the way. It's God's favor to extend gifts to others. So stewards of God's gifts in its various forms. And he gives a couple examples. Check this out. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, that's the opposite end, you should do so 
with the strength that God provides. He says, if you're up front, you better do it with all of your heart for the glory of God. And if you're behind the scenes where nobody sees, you do that with all the strength that God gives you. He goes, he only gives two examples here because he says, if it's in front or behind the scenes, it's all to be done in his strength, in his power for his glory, so that, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. That ability, that skill, your voice, your athleticism, your intelligence, your music, your passion, your heart, the drive that you have to achieve and to pursue things in life is given to you for the glory of God, not your glory not for your gain, but for the glory of God. These gifts we have are yours for his glory. Every one of them. Write this down. Spiritual gifts are appointed by God. That, they don't just come from God, but God determines who gets what. It says this in verse 11, 1 Corinthians 12, all those, uh, all these, all these gifts are the work of the one and same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines, not as we demand. They are not according to the will of man, but the will of God. We do not choose the gift God chooses for us. If you don't like how God has gifted you, you are in a way complaining about God not giving you what you wanted. And it's like that, you know, if you've ever been a parent and you've given a gift to a child and maybe it's Christmas morning, they're wrapping, unwrapping the gift and all of a sudden it's not the color they want or it's not the brand they want. I don't know, they start throwing a little fit or getting sulky or upset. It's like, man, give me that gift. You know, you want a toy? Hey, here's a towel. Here's your, here's your new toy. Give me that gift. There's a whole closet full of towels of toys in the, you know, that's your new, because there's just something about that attitude that doesn't uh, cause a father or a mother to just give more gifts. I tell you what, God has given you gifts and some of you are complaining about what he's given you. Well, I wanted to sing or I wanted to speak. I wanted to cook or I wanted to travel. I wanted to be an athlete. You know, grow up. God has given you a gift Ultimately, that he knows will fulfill your heart, fulfill your life, bring the joy to your life. He knows what will make you happy more than you think will make you happy. If you will surrender that gift to the Lord and stop comparing yourself to other people's gifts, God will use you in ways you never imagined. Spiritual gifts are given to fulfill the purpose of God in this world. Supernatural gifts are given by God as needed to serve his purposes in this world. We cannot control the spirit of God. We can't travail and beg and plead for a spiritual gift. God, God, God. That's not how God works. He gives as he determines, not as we demand. You can't not call down fire in the Holy Spirit. Well, Elijah did what Elijah was told to by God. God said, I will do this. So you better make sure that whatever you do is because God is motivating and speaking that to you. You can't just willy-nilly say, God, I'm asking for fire. Send down the fire. Humble, broken, being led of the Holy Spirit. You can't control God. 
You don't have authority over the Holy Spirit. So many churches feel like this somehow the Spirit must obey them. And the Spirit must be, you know, on their beck and call whenever they ask, whenever they demand, whenever they pray. Somehow God's got to do it. No, he doesn't. He's in control. Not you. God gives and appoints as he determines, not as we demand. He talks a lot about this in 12, 13, and 14, which we're going to cover. This is the last thing I want to talk about, and we're going to close in prayer. If you're not offended yet. Spiritual gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. They're not. I've, I've been in some very spiritual, quote-unquote, emotional feelings-oriented environments, and it, and it feels like the Spirit. But just because someone displays what appears to be spiritual gifts, it is not evidence of spiritual maturity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, at the beginning of this letter, he says this. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly and mere infants in Christ, you're just a bunch of babies. And I give you milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. And then later on in this same letter, he addresses the issues of spiritual gifts and their misuse. So this, this is the longest section of the entire New Testament that deals with spiritual gifts. Three whole chapters. And he's writing it to spiritually immature people, though they're experiencing what appear to be the manifestation of these gifts. Listen, the Holy Spirit works in and through the submission of our life to Lordship of Jesus Christ. That preacher, that teacher, that author, that leader may be skilled and display what appear to be gifts, but if they are not in submission to Christ or mature in these other areas of life, it is not true spirituality. This is what, the, uh, what Jesus said in Matthew 7. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. One day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And did I not do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Your gift is not a sign of spiritual maturity. Paul then goes on to list some of those controversial gifts. And we're going to read them. We're going to pray because we're going to talk about these next week. But I want you to know where we're going next week. These are just the basics today. This is what it says in verse 9. Paul says, uh, sorry, verse 8. To one there is given the spirit or the word of wisdom. To another, the message or word of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one same spirit. To another, miraculous powers, signs and wonders, miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing or discerning between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues and languages. And still, to another, the interpretation of tongues and languages. All by the same spirit. Next week, we're going to tackle what those mean. 
Again, this little section right here is split churches and split churches and split churches. To many, our church is too out there. To many, our church is not out there enough. And so uh, a, a heart, my heart for Living Way has always been to be a balanced church where the Spirit can flow through the gifts of the Spirit with the parameters or um, with the guardrails of Scripture to keep us balanced and in line. So next week we're going to dive into some of these confusing and divisive verses and we're going to answer the question, do they still happen today. You're not going to want to miss it. it. It will be an important challenge for all of us to embrace this and see what God does. I want to end with this thought right here, how good and gracious the Lord is. Think about this. He gives us the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit to mature us and encourage us. He gives us the gift of family and community through the body of Christ when we become born again. And he gives us spiritual gifts to enable and equip us for his mission for our life. God is so gracious. He's so good. These are not rewards. These are gifts. We have a good God. We have a good God who desires to work in your life. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord, for the gifts of God that are on uh, display, Lord, in, in the lives of those here. And God, I just pray that, God, I believe there's some people here that they have never truly submitted their life to Christ. Some people here, they're gifted, they're talented, but Father, they have never truly laid their life at the feet of the cross of Christ. And if that's you here today and you, you understand now that what you were created with and that, that skill and that ability and that personality of yours was all God's design for his glory. You'll never truly be who God created you to be until you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I want to give you a chance to do that right now. If you're here right now and you say, yes, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus, to surrender my life, to lay my life at his feet. If that's you today, then I'm going to encourage you just to talk to Jesus right now, right where you're seated. Just say, Jesus, here's my life. Go ahead, tell him, Jesus, here's my life. I submit to you, dear God. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for the cross that washes me clean. God, you are alive today. Live in me. Show me how to walk with you, Jesus. Fill me and lead me with your spirit. Some of you, you're Christians here today, and, and you're a Christian, but you've never laid down before the cross of Christ your life. Uh, you, he's the Lord of your life, and he's your Savior, but what you haven't done is said, Jesus, use my skills, use my voice, use my talent. Will you just do that right now, God? Here's, God, if you can use my voice. God, if you can use my, my skill. God, if you can use my cooking. God, if you can use my building skills. God, if you can use my, tech, my technology knowledge. God, if you can use my creativity, Father. If you can use my kindness. God, if you can use my gentleness. God, if you can use my encouragement, Father. I give it to you to use, Father. Use me, Father.
there's another group of people I want to pray with right now is that there are those of you who feel like you have nothing to give. Maybe you feel like you don't have a skill or ability and you don't know what it is and you think everybody else is more valuable and important than you are. God has empowered you and given you superpowers. Pray for you, God. If that's you, just just talk to him right now as I pray for you. God, you see these people, Lord. Help them to know how much you love them and empower them. God, I pray that you'd help them to see themselves the way that you see them. God, I pray that they would discover the gifts that they already have. God, help them to discover and develop them. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Living with Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.